0: rest is not idleness. Um, We just want to make sure you're not killing yourselves and enjoying uh, the gospel. Really excited about our time here in Galatians. What I want to have, if we can pass out the documents, please. That would be awesome. Get that going. You're going to be receiving this real soon. Um, This is uh, the beginning stages of of a study guide that we'd love for you guys to have. Now, here's our thing. If you know that you're not going to, um, we would love for you yeah, I'm going to start that right, right? So um, we would love to have you stay and and uh, just enter into this series with us. Uh, but because of just trying to be a wise steward, if you know that you're not, then we just ask that you maybe don't take one. Um, but if you, we would love to have you take one and, and to walk with uh, with us in this journey. Uh, so this will be the beginning of stages. And then what you have here, you have your three-hole puncher. So if you're in a mat group, you should have a... Um, a folder or a a notebook you can put this in and you just take, we have a staple so you wouldn't lose it until you get it to the notebook uh, and you can just take the staple out. Uh, If you are not in that group, I'm pretty sure maybe you have a three hole binder somewhere and we'd love for you to start, um, to start with us with the Galatians study, having this information. And I was going to walk through uh, some, some brief tidbits real quick. So when you get it, we can just all um, get moving real quick. And my, 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 the heart in that was not like, if you, miss, if you miss one, give it back. It was more like the heart of it all. Like, like you know, so if you miss one, that's totally cool. But just your heart being that you um, really want to grow and learn. Now, when we do these things, just to always remind our body uh, what we're trying to accomplish is uh, we're really trying to accomplish. What, is it, what does it look like to, uh, to walk with the Lord? Uh, and we understand that by understanding God's truth. Uh, and then what does it look like for us to be trained? Um, this is, this is the tenor of what our time is here on Sunday, just to encourage you guys. If you need Bibles, uh, we're passing out Bibles right now. Uh, the, the, the text will be also on the screen. We would love to encourage you to bring a pencil or pen, and, uh, because our, our pens get jacked every week. And, um, and so we would love, now if you need a pen, we, we, we'll splurge. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But if you don't, if you don't, bring your own pen, right? Like bring your own bag. B-A-Y-O-P. So, um, and we, we, we have pins in the back for today, though, because we just told you all that, so we, we, understand, we cause we're gracious. So, uh, and also um, the, the Bibles. We're all set family. Front page is basically where we're going with our series. Um, again, uh, if you know me, I, this, is, this is where I desire to go. it, will, it, might, it could change, hopefully it doesn't. Uh, so that is let lets you know what verses we'll be going through. Um, we are trying to understand God's story. And so our, our heart is that we just finished John. Uh, you know, last year we did John, and we took a month, and uh, we focused on culture and community and understanding how to serve our community best by really understanding the culture. And now we're doing Galatians. After Galatians, uh, our heart is to do uh, a gospel, then we do an epistle, then we do an Old Testament book, and we just keep going through until we until we study the whole Bible. Okay, so after Galatians, we're gonna hit we're gonna hit Genesis. Okay, and we're gonna keep rolling until we until we just the, the, the meta narrative, the story of God is just we can it can just flow from us. Uh, that's that's the heart, right? So so this is a. We're little engines that could. We're not trying to just be godly in a day. We're just going to slowly understand the story of God and walk with the Lord and fight with, um, with one another. Well, not with one another, but together uh, for Jesus. Prayerfully, we don't fight with one another. Galatians 5. Hallelujah. So, um, okay. Also, we have uh, on the back, if you can look at this, we have some preliminary observations. You, you know about the book list that we gave. Um, we're still working on trying to get those books ready for you guys. So thank you for being gracious there. Uh, we would love to be able to to resource us, our body, um, to be dangerous believers and have the resources to be able to um, just dive into God's truth. These are some preliminary observations that we'd love for you to uh, check out in your own time. There's some questions for you to ask. Again, all of this is the goal is for you just to continue to be understanding God's word, understanding how to study the scriptures and using this as a template, okay? Um, there's an outline. This is just an outline to the introduction of Galatians. This is not a Galatians full outline family, okay? Uh, just to give you that heads up. So a lot of the stuff that we're going to be talking about today, because we're doing we're introducing the book today, is in this part, is in this outline. Okay, um, so you can turn a couple pages and you'll see. On your own time, you can look at that. That'd be great. And then on the back, um, as you move past the outline, you have keywords. These keywords, I I purposely wanted them to be kind of rough. The reason why is because these are words I I did this myself, um, and they're rough. And and they're from like a new Bible dictionary and different different other extra biblical resources and also looking through the Bible and just finding different um, aspects where 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 the different scripture is talking about this word. So these are different word studies. And I did that because one thing we also want to make sure we're modeling here is that is that theology, the study of God, thinking about God is not top shelf just for seminary people and people who have extra money to spend on, on, on master's degrees. That's not, that's not true. That's not from the Lord. But that, but that with study and, and, and tenacity and passion, each one of us, as we stare at the fishes and we're serious about wanting to know what God, what God is saying in community with the right hermeneutical skills, uh, we can all understand what the Lord is saying. So I did this, uh, these, this words, these word studies, so it's kind of raw. i say that again, so when you're like, man, I didn't, that wasn't even a complete sentence. That's okay. It was my word study. I'm giving it to you just to show you. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be smart on this one. I was just trying to get the information, okay? So so I wanted to show you that it can be done, and yet you have the tools to do this too. Uh, for example, you know, when you look at um, uh, law, like I just have like all the different verses that I looked at to find different aspects of law, Okay. That's just encourage you and encourage, just encourage us that we all can grow in the Lord. And um, it's not left to the wise or any of that, those lies. But God, God desires for, all, for us all to know, know Jesus. Then you have Paul, the man in his letters. Just to give you some information on Paul. And then finally in the back, and this is for a, a mat group and your own personal devotion, your own personal spiritual formation. Uh, if you keep turning, you'll turn to Galatians chapter 1 and you see study questions. So we have study questions all the way up to chapter 4. And then what I'll do is I'll begin to supplement and I'll bring in chapter 5 and chapter 6 later. Okay? So that, that's um, so all the way up to chapter 4. So please, I would love for, I uh, hope this blesses you. Hope you, uh, hope you use it. Uh, I hope the Lord uses it to, to grow, you, grow you in Christ. Any questions about that? The stuff you just received? Okay, um, again, um, as we begin, I want to encourage us that you can ask questions. This is a time where dialogue is is applauded, is desired. If you have questions and things are happening where... I used to have a, a smaller job, but I got made fun of. They said I was still in little Lauren's um, water water bottle. So I... Uh, you like that, J-Mac? So, uh, so please ask questions if you need to, okay, family? What I want to do here is... Um, We talked. It's called freedom to be human, Galatians, right? Uh, The reality of Galatians is uh, there was a lot of crazy stuff going on. We're going to hit that in a moment. But what I want to do is I want to start by just getting right to work, and we're going to open up with verse one. So if you have your Bibles, please open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter one, verse one, and we're going to get right to work of understanding God's truth. (coughs) You guys ready? All right. Scriptures read. Paul, stop. So that's how it's gonna be. We're gonna be here a long time. I'm just kidding. Everybody got nervous. We doing each word. No no. (laughs) Cat's leaving. So um Okay, so here's what I want to do. So in the beginning, we just I, what I want to I want this to be a time and for you guys. I hope if it's remedial, please ask the Lord again. We always talk about you don't really know something until you can teach it. So ask the Lord, like if someone was to ask me about Paul, would I be able to say? Would I be able to understand how to articulate his journey and things of that sort? So this might be remedial, but please allow it to sink deeper into your heart the story of God, particularly pertaining to uh, one of the greatest missionaries um, in history, uh, that's Paul. Uh, Paul's journey. Uh, it says, I'm just going to stop, stop there. What i would love to do is go to the next slide and then we'll come back. Oh, here we go. Paul, he's a contemporary with Jesus. So so basically picture this. So you have Jesus born and Paul was born around the same time of Jesus, uh, you know, give or take a few years. Uh, he, now his journey, I mean, it's very interesting to see how you have the rise of, of Jesus and you have the rise of Paul. Uh, Paul was born, actually, as this young man he was born in Tarsus, which, uh, which is very funny because I had the honor <clears throat> um, praise God in 96 to actually go to Tarsus uh, on a mission trip and uh, which I bring that up because it was very this is why we have a heart where we pragmatically even theologically the Lord wants to have a heart for the world but for me the Lord used that trip uh, to to awaken my heart and understand like wow like God is he's real and, and he's doing all these different things all over the world and that's actually that trip is what motivated and, and the Lord used that to catapult me um, into ministry um, but Tarsus is in, is, uh, is in modern-day Turkey. So you guys are familiar with Turkey. You might not. And he was born in Tarsus and Cilicia, Cilicia at the time. And he, was, he had the best of both worlds, okay? Because he was born in a town that was controlled and that was a Roman town, right? It was Roman country. Uh, so he was a Roman citizen. He was a Greek citizen, as you know. Um, before Jesus' time, you have Alexander the Great who conquers uh, this, this great Greek. He conquers the world, basically, in a nutshell. And he begins to Hellenize the whole, uh, the whole world. OK. And so to be anybody, because it's sort of like um, I'm trying to give an example. Uh, well, basically, he comes in they start speaking his language uh, to be a socialite, to be anybody at that time. Now, because he was a king was to be a Roman, was to be a Greek. OK, Does that make sense. So Paul being um, this Roman citizen was huge because very, at the very same time he was a Roman citizen, but he was also a full blooded Jew. So, so he had the best of both worlds. Um, not only was he a Roman citizen a full blooded Jew, uh, his dad was uh, from the tribe of Benjamin, which is one of, if he was to rank tribes, it was one of the best tribes, uh, you know, in Israel. Maybe top three. We can debate that later. But, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so he's from the tribe of Benjamin and, uh, and grew up actually very prominent. In fact, uh Tarsus, um, Tarsus during the time had a big university, and in those times, even today, where you have the big university, that's where you know where the socialites are. That's where you know the, the upperly mobile hangout, and that's where the people usually are most educated. Uh, and so, so Paul at a very young age was being educated um, in, in the ways of, of, Ju- of Ju- Judaism and things of that sort, but also in the, ra- in the ways of, of being a Greek, Okay? Now, he, he continues on, though, at the age of 13, which is very interesting. Remember we talked about in John? We talked about in John, about the, uh, the, the, this, it was very interesting that Jesus chooses these disciples uh, basically because they had been chosen. What am I talking about? Remember, uh, rabbis would choose disciples at age right, 13, 14, 15, very young. And you knew that you were somebody if you were chosen by, by some of the prominent rabbis of the day. Okay, but it was very interesting that here come these guys, um, bumping along, Jesus' disciples, and they had been chosen. Now, the reason why that's cool for us today is because what that shows us is that you don't have to have a pedigree to be used mightily by God. In fact, God wanted to use the bench warmers, if you will, to change the whole world. Okay? So, so here, so while those guys were not being chosen, because Jesus chooses them, who, and who is Jesus, right? Paul is being chosen by great Gamaliel. Okay, so Paul he now has uh, moved from Tarsus and now he's in Jerusalem, okay, and he's being trained by one of the greatest uh, rabbis of the day, a guy named Gamaliel, okay, who's teaching him uh, the ways as a Jew. So this is at age 13 or so. Now, I'm telling you this is for us to have an understanding of what's going on in Paul's journey. And this information uh, you can find, and I'll, I'll have a bibliography of all the different extra-biblical resources you can use. In addition, I'm going to try and provide some of this information for you uh, as our weeks go along. So imagine this. So you got the, the bench warmers being chosen by Jesus. Here's Paul being poured into uh, by this great guy he grows up, um, <clears throat> begins to uh, begins to be trained in law. And that's why now it doesn't make sense when you read Romans and you read these different books and you see this kind of lawyer mentality where he's making arguments and then he defends the argument. Uh, his focus actually was law. And, and now you have the sense of, uh, you, have, you understand he's a contemporary with Jesus, his citizenship being Roman citizen, but also uh, full-blooded Jew. Uh, we see that also in, we see that in Hebrews where he talks about uh, his pedigree. Uh, then you have uh, him being trained by this great uh, rabbi. Uh, he continues to grow up. And now what's happening is Jesus dies and he rises from the dead. And then you have this sect, the way, that's beginning to rise up. While at the same time, uh, Paul is becoming a Pharisee. So Paul's a Pharisee. And we know that, well, there's only a few thousand Pharisees in all the nation, uh, all the history of Israel. Okay, so to be a Pharisee meant you had reached the heights of the ecclesiastical ladder. It meant you had reached religious prominence. So Paul had, I mean, he had done it, man. He was, he, was, uh, he was a very learned person. He was, a Greek, he was a Roman citizen. He had reached religious prominence. He was a Pharisee. As we know, you don't know, you have to learn uh, the Pentateuch. You have to memorize the Pentateuch as one of the things you had to do to be a Pharisee. And at the very same time, this whole rise of Christianity was happening. So, so Paul, being an astute Jew and being this uh, serious Jew, uh, being a Pharisee, what does he do? He begins to protect his faith. Okay? So so what happens a lot of times, the Jews get the bad rap, right, because you silly Jews, I can't believe you did this. But actually, he was being a good Jew, all right? There are some guys coming who were saying things that were counter uh, to, uh, to the Judaistic uh, way of life, to understanding uh, salvation, to understanding relationship with God, and it seemed like, uh, like heresy, uh, you know, idol worship. So what, so what happens is uh, Paul begins to persecute this way. Uh, and so he begins to uh, get Christians killed. All right, you know he got he got some Christians killed, and now he's on this road. Uh, he has enlisted names of of many Christians that he's about to go and find out and have them persecuted and have more Christians killed. And then you have this uh, scenario that happens where he's on the road to Damascus, and I like to call it Demaskus because that's what Jesus does, right? He has a mask on and then he Demas. You get it? Yeah. All right. Well. All right, man. I, I thought it was cool, Demas, because, you know what I'm saying? So that's what he did. He demasked, because, Paul. All right, so you can see that in Acts, in Acts chapter 9. Uh, in, you can read, read Acts chapter 9 in your own time, okay? He, he takes the wool off his eyes. You see this amazing uh, transformation. He says, you know, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Actually, I'm, I'm the way. And, and what's a very interesting, and we'll talk about this, maybe we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks when we get to Galatians uh, chapter 2. But something beautiful happens, Paul gets it, uh, becomes a Christian, and check out, he says, oh, you know, you need to go to um, this dude, um, Ananias, and he's going to baptize you, and uh, you'll you'll be all set, and then the scales will fall off your eyes, and you'll be straight, right? And so now Paul goes, well, actually, the angel says, hey, Ananias, remember that guy who's killing Christians? Well, he'll be at your house pretty soon. Right, and I said, "What's, your, what's the problem? Where's the, the Gat? You know, he's looking for the gun. You know what I'm saying? Well, so Ananias is like really? He like "Well, actually, not only that, I want you to baptize them. So can you just imagine? Okay, this guy is killing Christians, and and they know about him. Okay, this is not this is not a secret. Well, Ananias follows the the, the, the Lord's command. Uh, guy gets baptized, scales fall off, and immediately he begins to preach the gospel. Okay." Uh, so what we have here, so that's just a brief snapshot of what's going on. We have a um, we have a guy who has uh, an awesome story. And by the way, and this is talk so stories. Um, what I love about his story, and all of our stories, and maybe our story should point like a lot of times when we have powerful experiences, we have to be careful because we can tell our testimony, and we need to make sure our testimony is focused on Christ. And not just like, oh, look what God did to me. Because sometimes we can tell testimonies, and we can almost want to tell our testimony, especially guys that have had supernatural things happen, um, as if like they now can corner the market on having this special relationship with Jesus. But if you notice in Scripture, and this is just for free, just because of all this weird stuff that's out here, G- Paul doesn't do that. He tells to validate God's reign. And it's not about, look, I'm so special. In fact, he tries to disclaim himself many times in Scripture. <coughs> so I have a, a little cold. I don't know what's wrong So, so, so we know about Paul. Any questions about Paul? So that's what happened. So now we got a guy who, who was, who was getting Christians killed. And all of a sudden, boom, the Lord changes life. He realizes that the king uh, just, that I thought I was worshiping the king, but actually you're the king. And you're the king, I've been, I should have been worshiping it all along, and that's what basically happened to many of us. And if it has not happened to you today, I want to encourage you, that's the reason why you're here, is that one of the main things Paul wants to do is he's using this time, you're not here by mistake, but just to say, I know in your life you've been wanting something, I know in your life you want peace, joy, happiness, all these other things. And guess what? The gospel is simply, the, the gospel is that those things that you've been longing for are here, and are found in Christ. That's the gospel. The king is here. That's the gospel, JP. I do not, I do not. But I, but we're gonna have some uh, some stuff up here in a moment. I mean, yeah, I don't. So if we if we know he's a contemporary with Jesus, uh, then you might want to say. I mean, he was persecuting Christians, so that means it was after his after Jesus' death. Which you know, so you would think in around the the, the at least at the least late thirties, I would say maybe forties. Late 40s. Who knows? So I don't. Well, I don't know for sure, but I definitely think you can find information somewhere. So, um, okay. So now what we're going to continue on. We're going to continue on the scripture. So we have Paul, verse one. Back to the we're spousing. Look at your look at your Bible. Paul, uh, verse one, an apostle. Stop again. Okay. So he's um, an apostle. Now there's a thing that's going on out here, guys, that uh, where people are claiming to be apostles. Okay? Now, I just want to briefly just, just, just talk about that again, because we're talking about sound doctrine here. This is about just remedial. This is introduce uh, some tenets of the faith. Here, here's what Scripture says. Um, this, is, this is when they were choosing a disciple, I mean, an apostle, okay? Uh, they needed another apostle in Acts chapter 1. And the Scriptures read Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time. The Lord Jesus went in and out among us, okay? Beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Okay. So, from that text, uh, and all throughout history, uh, this whole apostleship thing is pretty new, actually. Uh, 19th, late 18th, 19th century. Uh, cats wasn't claiming to be apostles. Um, this is saying that you are an apostle if you have been with Jesus, if he, right, from the time that he began his ministry. To the time of his death, if you witness this reality of his resurrection, okay? That's what it's saying. So, so I just want to say, if you're calling yourself an apostle, then you, this is what you're claiming. So, when you hear cats who are saying, I'm an apostle this and I'm an apostle that, just politely in your heart, just know that that's not biblical, okay? Um, you can say something to them if you want to, that's great. But, but just know in your heart that they're tripping. Now, now there is a gift of apostleship, okay? Which basically, the word apostolos just means messenger, the sent ones. We talk a lot about being a sent people of God at Mac Avenue Community Church. Uh, it's, just, it's just basically, we're just taking the, um, uh, uh, the participle and just, and just transliterating saying the sent ones. Uh, so the sent ones, it simply means that there's some people who have this sense of like, they just like to, to go out and maybe and like plant churches and start ministries. Right? That's sort of this gifting. Some people just have that gift. You know, some people just, and it says that in Ephesians, uh, where some people have the gift of apostleship and things of that sort. So the gift of apostleship and being an apostle, very different. Okay? Just thought I would um, just throw that out since the word popped up. So, um, so we have Paul, an apostle, uh, sent not from men nor by man, uh, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Um, Real quick, let me um, take you to a few little, you know, little uh, maps real quick. So notice this. This is Paul's missionary journeys, okay? Uh, Paul had uh, three journeys uh, that, they, that, that historians call missionary journeys. And then you have one uh, where he was sort of on his journey uh, to Rome uh, after he got beaten. He's like, well, how are you going to beat me, a Roman citizen? And he gets his whole journey uh, to Rome going. So you have, So this is his life after his conversion. Now, now, now remember something. He was kind of old, right? Um, but what, what blows me away? Look at look at his travels, guys. This is the first century. So, what, my point in this is not to try to see what countries and cities he went to, but look at his tenacity of proclaiming the gospel. This guy didn't have no Cadillac. The first century. Do you, you know that in the first century, and, and well, more, way more before, but probably in um, the first century, was, it was starting to die out. People were scared of the sea. The sea was synonymous with death. It's cats in boats and stuff. Look at this homie. My point is, like, look at the fervor of him saying, man, my life's in Christ. Everything has changed, and he makes his life to proclaim Jesus. I think it's unbelievable. This man, you know, I was in uh, again, I was in southern Turkey. I and mean, this guy's in Spain, he's in Turkey, he's in he's in Israel. <laughs> it's unbelievable, guys. I mean, try to walk from here, you guys see the book of Eli, walk from from Boston to Cali. You know what I'm saying? It might take a while. So um So yeah, this is cool to study on your own. Look at Paul's missionary journey and be encouraged about how the Lord used him and just look at his life and his journey. And uh, I'm not saying we need to mirror Paul, but man, if we just had um, a fragment of of that, the Lord would be doing great things in our body, right? Let's continue on. Also, I want to show you guys real quick, um, just the dates. You can get these dates in many different places. They're totally argued. The reason I'm showing these dates, so Galatians is argued um, to be actually in the late 40s. I'm more of an early date guy. Um, uh, then a the late date. Why are you laughing that? I me? Mean, so, uh, so, so that's. And then you have. Uh, but notice when you have your, your Gospels here, notice how they're written intertwined. So, like, some of the Gospels weren't written uh, when Paul was writing his epistles. Just for your information, like, this is how it was just cool to watch just clearly what was happening. And many of these times was in prison. Just again, again, just as our introduction, we can go right into the verses, but I just want us to get an understanding of Paul, uh, see what's going on, see what his journey was like. Um, All right, let's continue on. So uh, he says, he says, sent, not from man, nor by man. Okay, sent. This is uh, the sent by God thing. You know, a lot of times we're going to talk about the call. I mean, we talked about call, and I went off on some of y'all a little bit about call. We're going—I I'm going to I mean, I'm actually going to explain that in a week or so because uh, it's going to—it's going to enter into the text, which is going to give me a great opportunity to to explain theologically what the Lord says when we talk about the word call. Because I, again, will say we use it wrong, but the word uh, author, assent, When He says sent by God, uh, this is—we look at that and we can think call, but more sent. The issue of sent is an issue of authority. Okay, a issue of authority and the reason why this is important. What I want to show you guys, look at this real quick. Uh, these are just a few verses uh, that talks about authority that Jesus has, right? That He taught people as someone with authority, not as the scribes. Son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Neither will I tell you about what authority I do these things. Uh, you can go to the next slide. Uh, you, you can take this slide a jump drive and, and, and look at these scriptures. You can compare these scriptures. My point in doing this was to show you that it is no question that Jesus had all authority and he mentions that in Matthew 28. But then what the beauty is is then he gives that authority to you and me. The reason why that's important and we talk about this all the time is because the, the, natural, re, the natural reaction of us as people is to do things in our own power. Or To do things in God's power, want God's power, but not want to do it in his authority. Now, so that's what you get, right? That's what you get all these faith-based movements and and this prosperity theology where you just milk God for power, for my own self-aggrandizement, for my own reasons. But, But be clear, when they use the word authority, they're using it wrong. Because if you're trying to use God's power, but it's not what God wants, then it's not in God's authority you understand? Because when I give you authority, I give you authority to do or be something. Right? If, if, if the president says, you have my authority to do and carry out whatever it is, and then I go and do something different, he will say, I didn't give you authority to do that. Do you see what I'm saying? So now, I bring it up with us as Christians for a couple of reasons. First... We have to understand, I say this all the time for myself, I have to fight the lies, you will have to fight the lies. We are not here trying to do things in our own authority. We're not teaching the Bible, you're not singing a song, we're not discipling people just because you have the capacity to do so. The reason why Paul is saying he starts off this letter, the reason why I'm about to write to you, the reason why I do what I do is not because of how cool I am, not because of the pedigree, although he has it, we just saw his pedigree, not because he has the the intellect, but because Jesus sent me. And so no longer, when you, when you, when you, when we get authority, when we understand authority, we realize now if I'm in someone else's authority, my authority no longer matters. Also, my plans no longer matter. And that's the thing that kills us. Because we want God's authority, we want his power, but not his plans. But God is saying, I don't give you my power to accomplish your own authority. And that's what we want. So I just want us to clearly understand, understand authority that we have. The God has given you the power to do supernatural, amazing things. He wants to allow the world to see His power in awesome ways. But it's only when we're about kingdom. And for and for those of us in our body, my awesome people who doubt that God wants to use you, don't you get it? You're still focused on what you bring to the table. But God is saying, in your marriage, in your Christian service, as you parent your kids, God is saying, guess what? I'm asking you to please put down your agenda and do now this in my authority. And when you really do things in your authority, and I, and I can tell you, and I don't have time right now, I wish I could give a litmus test of, of us doing things in God's authority and not. Because it's very clear. It's real easy. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, they tell me... Well, you know, they, they, they conjure up ways, of reason why they didn't share the gospel. Well, I don't, need to, I don't need to pray about that. I can tell you right now, you did that in your own authority. You, just, you, were, you were scared. That's okay. But the Bible is really clear. There's so many... I can, if you give me a scenario, I guarantee you we could say, as a body, was this in God's authority or was it in your own? Because it would be tenacious and about kingdom. So Paul... I bring that up to say that authority is extremely important. It's one of the major aspects that we need to, we and I'm harping on this because we need to get this understanding of God's authority, that God has done something. When you became a Christian, when you said, I love you, Jesus, you entered into a supernatural realm that's unlike natural man. And I guarantee you, if we yield to the Holy Spirit, God will use you in ways that you never even dreamed of. But not for you, for his glory. So, being sent by God, do you and I realize that each one of us, if you're a Christian today, you are sent by God in God's authority. So check out those verses when you get, it, when you get a chance. And he says, you know, um, not from man nor by man, uh, but by Jesus and, and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers uh, with me. Um, then he says, um, to the churches, to the churches in Galatia. So I, now turn to uh, chapter 6 in your own time. I don't even know if I have it up there. Do I have it up there? Um, turn to chapter 6. I don't have it up here. Sorry, guys. In verse 11, he says something here. I just want to, he says, See what le- large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand? So so Paul, he's doing something here. As you read, notice he he doesn't, he doesn't give, uh, usually I, I bring that up because, in, because there's historians who would say that he, he, he said large hand because he was writing so much and so intense that, you know, when you get so tired, your letters get big. I don't know about that. Um, maybe so. But we know that the idiom in history is that large, when you talk about, when you talk to a sense of like I'm writing in a large hand, you're, you're, you're really trying to show the sense of when you see it in, uh, in different historical writings, it's a sense of like I was so serious. I really want you to know this. Is that is that is that fervor? So my point is, when you look at Galatia, what's Paul's tenor here? Now think about this. In Corinthians, okay, you got people sleeping with their mother-in-laws, their step—I'm sorry, their step-moms. You got—I uh, mean, you got all this charismatic craziness going on, cheating and robbing. Uh, you got people manipulating each other. Uh, you got people. Uh, You know, I mean, just all kind of promiscuity. It is a crazy book, right? Crazy book, which, by the way, can I just, another aside. So a a hermeneutical skill. Uh, Many times people will look at uh, a Corinthians or a book like that, and they'll see it as an encouragement. So it matters the tenor of the book, genre. It matters, like, what is his tenor, because that will matter how you interpret it. So that's a huge rule. For example, so cats look at uh, Corinthians, and they think, wow, see, I'm called to speak in tongues because I'm supposed to edify myself. Paul is saying, edify myself. I'm going, do you hear how unbiblical that sounds? Show me a scripture where the Lord is going, edify yourself. That's called selfish. No. Paul's point in in Corinthians, the whole tenor of the book, is is not an encouragement, it's a rebuke. So now if you know that the book is a rebuke, Even when he says some of those things, you realize his point is that you are edifying yourself, and that's not cool. You're supposed to be edifying the church. You see how just the tenor changes things? I hope you guys are with me. In the same way, this book, it matters. It matters the tenor. Look at the tenor. Imagine this. In Corinthians, with all that drama, he still tries to encourage him in the beginning. Right? Crazy book. But look at this. He stars the book off with no condemnation. No, uh, no, he's not commending them at all. Right? He's not, hey, how you doing? Uh, there's no. I mean, the tenor is one of seriousness. The mood is one of like, we need to talk. It is serious. But what blows me away is what was the issue in Galatia? Doctrine. Interesting. It seems almost like Paul was more intense because of false doctrine. Then even people wilding out. That's just interesting to me. That people wilding out, he's like, you know, praise the Lord, hallelujah, so good to see you, hope you're doing well, you know, quit sleep with your mama, you know what I'm saying? Right. But in this one, he's like, whoa, you're teaching people false truth? I'm not saying hi to you, stop it. It seems that there's something about God's truth where well, he says, I am serious. But I tell you something, I think we got it backwards today. Truth, man, oh man. We have just, I mean, people are we just so nervous. We have taken the cues of our of our postmodern uh, culture, and we are scared to be about truth. I'm telling I can't tell you how many Christians I talk to. They'll say to me, We'll talk about something, they'll say, Well, you know, that's what I think, and this is what you think, and it's all okay. That's not true. One of us wrong. And I'm okay if it's me, but we can't both be right about the same thing if we're thinking differently. We have bought into the lie of the culture. It's okay to say, wow, you think that? Well, I think this, and, it's, and you know what? One of us, we're wrong. And now let's be on a journey together. And it might take one year, two years, 15 years. We might go and Jesus might come back and we never agreed on that issue. But at least we were honest and we said we know there's one truth. We know that when we read the scriptures and we read a narrative that Paul is saying something that he specifically wanted the Galatians to know in chapter 1. And if we missed that, we missed the text. It's just that simple. It's not that, well, you got this and I got that and all, oh, we just all getting good stuff from the Bible. That is not from the Lord, family. We don't like to hear that. Devotions are okay. You, walk, you open up your Bible and God ministers to you in a specific way and you just go, wow, that was deep. You know, like, I really need to read that verse for this particular time. But please, you gotta make sure that you discern personal devotion where God supernaturally does something to encourage you in your faith from doctrine. You hear me, family? That doctrine, God says, I want to protect it. Now think about it. Look at the epistles. Challenge me on this. Look at how many of the epistles are all about doctrine. My point in our body, this is why we methodically go through the scriptures. It's not sexy. It's long. But we do it because God has called us to know what's true. And we're going to be faithful. And so now God is asking you, to do your part for us all to be passionate about what God is saying. I'm telling you, I believe, family, that God is asking us is almost countercultural. Even, even in evangelical America, to be serious and, and passionate, to come in here and to not a woman perform performance, but to say, no, Lord, I want to learn more about you today. And I'm, I got my pen. I'm trying to understand the historical truth. And I'm trying to understand why that verb is there. And I'm trying to understand the truth. But God is calling us to that. The, t- the tone here is one of seriousness. He is upset. He didn't even pray for them in the beginning. He starts off, but I'm astonished. In verse 6, he goes off. So you see these questions up here? Do you know what you believe and why you believe it? See, this book is really got, you know, we're going to learn a lot of, you know, intricate truth about what's going on there and how to apply to our life. But what we want to do in our journey is to be asking these questions, because this is just all we're doing right now, verses one to five. He's just saying hi. All right. So so basically what we're trying to build is I'm trying to build a framework, a construct, a, 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 a fabric of how we're viewing like what we're we trying to what we're we doing during our time together. And I'm telling you, I'm asking you to consider like to ask, the Lord, do I know? What I believe and why I believe it. Can you discern when correct doctrine is being jeopardized in your family, in your life? <coughs> can you discern it? When someone's saying something to you that's not from the Lord, can you say, you know what? I don't think that's biblical. I don't know the verse. I'm not asking us to be Bible scholars. If, if the answer is even no for all these, hear me. Don't be a fatalist. Don't go, well, no for me. Oh, well guess I'm done. I guess I shouldn't read the Bible. No, the point is, well, therefore, let's grow together. The point is, if the answer is no, let's, let's, let's take steps to make it yes. Let's be on our journey for 2, 5, 10, 15 years, and let's learn what God says, and let's proclaim it unapologetically to our culture. Can you discern in your brother's and sister's life, in the church, people saying stuff around here, and you're just going, oh, what, really, dude? I bring this up, guys, because I know a lot of us personally, and a lot of us got some messed up thinking. And I'm telling you, we're ministering out of baggage. We're trying to to put this facade up like, oh, no, I'm real godly, and you just really came to Christ. And I'm telling you, let's just put all the facades down, and let's begin to build our bricks slowly, but build our bricks well. It's okay. No one in here is a spiritual G. We all foul. So let's just grow together. Why not just grow together? I don't know a lot of a ton of verses. It's all right. It's just not, none of us are Jesus. Let's just, be, let's just keep it real and grow together. <coughs> Look at this verse here. It should probably be a memory verse for us. New believers and old alike. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who, can, who correctly handles the word of truth. I'm almost scared to put this up because, man, black folks in the inner city can quote this verse and totally don't know Jesus. Um, But but I can't let culture manipulate what, what we do here. It's still true whether we mess it up or not. God has called us to this. Okay? So that's Paul's tone. No thanksgiving, no commendation, short introduction, no prayer. He is just like, look, dude, let's talk through this. Now, what's going on in Galatians? I'm continuing on, please. It says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so just with time. So let me just, let me just back, 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 back up a little bit. So we looked at Paul, we understand his journey. We see this reality of his apostleship being sent from the Lord with God's authority. We see that there's something in this letter that we haven't talked about yet, but it's so intense, specifically doctrine, that he is upset and he is ready to rock. In fact, do you see in, uh, in, in 611, he says, a lot of my letters, I have a scribe. I say what I got to say and my scribe's writing it down and hooking it up. He said, I wrote this one. He said, I wrote this one. All the, and the many, many of my, many of the letters in Paul, he has a scribe. He said, No, you, you need to hear from me, because this is, this is crazy, what you're doing. And he, he writes it and sends it all quickly. I just want you to understand the tenor of what we're going to be looking at for the next, uh, 13 or so weeks. Okay, family? Grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Continue on, please. <coughs> now, this is the gospel essence in abbreviated form. That's right here, right? Now, grace, I, I know we get grace. You can continue popping them up, bro. But I want us to just hear a little nuance in grace. So, we understand it's a favor done with our expectation of return. Now, I know we always say, what's grace? Oh, I made a favor, and we get that, right? But I, I, I know that many of our body, we, we, we will get it, and then I'll hear us talk, and we talk like we're earning stuff. And I've talked to people who think that things simply happen in their life based on how good they're doing or not. That is scary. That is so unbiblical, it's scary. Paul would write those cats. And I even tell, you know, now don't get me wrong. If God, you know, God shows you something specifically and you're like, man, because there is consequence of sin, too. But to teach that as doctrine, again, devotion versus doctrine, scary. I want us to have a reverence of God's truth, family. Forget me. That's what the Lord wants. A favor done with expectation of return. Absolute freedom of the loving kindness of God. So grace is like not just this unmerited favor, which we don't really know what that means. Unmerited, okay, I guess I can't deserve it. The the motivation of it is this loving kindness of God. And look at this. Now hear this. Some of us, when we mess up, look at the last one. It's not just simply God is like, well, I got my thing I'm accomplishing, so I guess I'll do this to people. He enjoys giving us grace. The implication about grace is that there's joy in the one who gives it. The one who gives the unmerited favor actually likes you. In all your stuff. Please understand, we serve a Savior who really does love and like you. Please continue on. So you have grace and you have peace. He says grace and peace, (coughs) understood well-being. Peace can only be the result of accomplished reconciliation. What is my point there? So you have, now, now, now don't miss this. What I love about the way, uh, you know, even in Greek, you know, you have your word, your word choices. So when you put a word first, especially with a the list, there's a reason behind it. And usually the, uh, there's a reason for this, I would, I would assume. That he's basically saying that, that, that grace or peace is presupposed by grace. Okay? That basically if grace is God displaying his favor upon you for you to experience reconciliation, to experience friendship, to experience regeneration, which brings peace then that means you can't have peace without grace. Do you see that? So why is he mad at these guys? Because they're circumventing grace. And if you're telling me or you're telling someone that, that grace isn't the focal point, that Jesus does it all, there's nothing you can do, he, dis- he displays his grace upon you, then what you've done is you've just robbed a person of their peace. Because you take grace, you have to take peace. Grace and peace. Peace is a result of the reconciliation that we get by God's grace. That we're friends with the Lord. Continue on, please. <coughs> that was the abbreviated version. Here's an elaborated form. If you just want to get more crazy, I just want you to check just to check some things with what we just said. So he says. Uh, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, which I don't even have time to go to the present evil age junk, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The gospel essence in elaborated form. Look at this. It says who gave himself for our sins. Right. Uh, this is the second reference that we see again to the cross. So what I'm trying to show you here is we looked at grace and peace from God the Father. So this is like this is the this is more the elaborated version of that. OK, we see him. This is a second reference to the cross. He says that he might deliver us out of this evil age, um, which he's starting to which which obviously is the sense of giving people peace. OK, and we and I, and I propose to you that he's beginning to to bring an introduction to this theme of liberty, this theme of freedom that he's trying to bring to us as the people of God, saying that we are now free. Um, according to the will of God, our father. Right. That is the Lord uh, when he says from God that That it's the Lord who initiates all this. And so that's, you know, I have a dear friend, a young brother that I just met, he's talking about his journey. It's like, wow, man, like, we don't really get God's grace and our sinfulness when we think that, like, what we do automatically provides a certain destiny for us. It's, It's wrong, family. We need to understand God's, like, his love and his sovereign hand to protect us even when we do stupid things, to love us even when we don't deserve it. That's what the gospel is. It's undeserved love. (coughs) Excuse me. And then obviously we see the sense of uh, the glory of God um, being exalted because he accomplished all, which I love that there's another uh, Christ-centered verse there. So God accomplishes all, but we're talking about Christ here because Christ is God. Any questions, family? Cool. So, so we end by saying the Galatians are in a desperate situation, guys. And I know some of us personally have had stories with I mean, We've been dialoguing, and, and, and this is a defining moment, to trust in the Lord's grace and his love for you, that there's a reason, that all the journeys that we go through, there is a reason, but the, but the beauty, this is not a bad thing, this is the beauty, sometimes it's not for us to understand why. But we can trust a God who loves us. That's actually a good thing. So what will be a thing you can take away from here? As we look at just, I mean, verses 1 through 5 is simply uh, Paul saying hi. Okay, so there's not much. Um, well, maybe there is. <laughs> but a couple of things I just want you to leave here with. I want you to leave here saying, Lord, will you make me passionate about your truth? And will you teach me how to apply your truth? Because that will be the tenor of our time in Galatians. There's something that Jesus is saying through Paul, and that is we want freedom, and we want peace, but we have to have the truth to understand how to get the freedom and the peace. And so, basically, the truth is Jesus, and understanding who Jesus is is what the Lord has called us to be about. Okay, family? Let me pray for us. I want to have. Um, I'm going to pray for us. I want to have a tithe and offering. Now, if you're new here. Uh, next week what we're going to be doing we're going to be going through uh, galatians as you look at your uh, sheet um, it'll be uh, six through six through ten a couple a couple of brief things I want to bring up as a family <coughs> real quick with the tithing the and offering we're going to come down if you're new to MacA please keep your wallets to your um, in your pocket purse to your side we're not trying to have you give out of compulsion this is out of the joy this is just another form of worship if you're a MacAver, you get that so please worship the lord if you are new but you love jesus